Before we dive into the Word, I want to just share a couple of thoughts. One of them is this. If you're between the ages of 12 and 28, would you give me a big shout out right now? <laughs> wonderful. 12 and 28, that's wonderful. Uh, say this with me, gravity. Yeah, love to have your young person signed up uh, to go to Gravity. That's happening really soon. There is a limited amount of space. And as for ages 12 to 28, that would be uh, junior high. That would be what is now called Varsity and Ignite. So make sure if you have questions, you could talk to Connor. You can talk to Craig. You can talk to Topher. You can talk to Jamie. Right, you guys? Y'all got all the answers? All the answers? They got all the answers. Praise God. So sign-ups out there in the four-year. If you uh, are not signed up yet, do that. I want to do this before, also before I dive into the Word, and I need you to stay with me just for a minute. Last night we had our vision night. And before I dive into the vision night, I want to share with you one more individual. Larry, would you stand up? Larry here, I told you, if you were ever in the service I says, man, this young man, he's written out his vision. He wants to go to the Olympics. He's an amazing wrestler. I've got to see him wrestle. He's extremely technical. Yesterday, he won state championship. Thank you, Larry. Congratulations. The power of writing down your vision and seeing it come to pass. I tell you what. Don't miss out on doing that. Well, last night we had vision night, and I want to take a moment just to recap on the vision night. How many of you know that you don't know what you don't know? Right? You don't know what you don't know. And I hate those times, so I want you to know what's going on. The first thing that I would direct you to do is, if you wasn't here, which the majority of you was not, and that, that's okay, we recorded it so that you can go to the website, online, our webpage, and you can listen to it. Why is that so important? Well, covered many things. Number one, Don got up and did a wonderful job in going over our organizational chart and who's over what so that people just have a clear vision. Habakkuk 2.2, write it down so that you can run with it. He did a wonderful job. Then he turned it over to Ben, Ben Taves, he's in the back. Hi, Ben. Alicia, good to see you guys in the back with the new baby. Huh? And Ben did a wonderful job. He's our chairman over finances. He's also over our back team, building an advisory committee. And he did a wonderful job in, in just laying out where we, where we are uh, financially, uh, in attendance, uh, where we've been, vision, where we're going. And he, he, he shared with us last night, which was very, very beautiful and very encouraging, that the church in attendance and financially for the last couple of years, we have uh, been on a, about 25 to 26% growth. Is that right, uh, Ben? And uh, just shared a lot of very and very encouraging things. Jonathan, good to see you in the back, back there, buddy. God bless you, man. And so he did a wonderful job on laying that out, showed a video, a, a, a testimonial of Winton and UGM, and it was very, uh, very, very uh, powerful. Then I shared about the 4G. The 4G is where we're going as a church, uh, what our core class is about, and the 4G is basically this. Number one G is grace. This is a place of grace. 
you're welcome to this. There's room for you at this table. And once the grace of God, the love of God touches your life, you immediately want to do something, and it's called, number two, grow. You want to go from grace to growing. If Jesus is there doing something by His Spirit, there's something automatically that takes place. We want to grow. The greatest place to grow at is in three, group. Finding a group, finding a city group. This is a celebration service. This would be our large group, but finding a city group where everyone knows your name, everyone's glad you came, cheers without the beers. So I encourage you to get into a city group. And once you're in a group and you're growing, the grace of God has touched you, something transforms inside of our heart and we go from takers to being givers. Giving, giving of love, giving of friendship, giving of a relationship, giving of our time, giving of our treasure. I mean, that's all, that's when it comes down to it. For God so loved the world that he, he gave. And that's the, if you want to be like Jesus, man, uh, it's, it's all about giving. And so that was the four G's. And then I shared the last segment and say this with me, Legacy. Like there's pamphlets in front of you on the chairs and, and I want to go over that so that you clearly, we revealed it a couple of weeks ago, but we didn't really clearly lay out exactly. And I'm not going to tell you every detail today because it would take a long time, but I'm going to give you highlights. In the packet right there, where we are, church, kind of having a family meeting right now, where we are is that we've sold this building and, and this land and uh, the, the fire is moving, the cloud is moving, and we're moving, Lord willing. Uh, we're not going to get kicked to the curb because it's contingent on the buying of the other building. We have made an offer on it. Then they wanted us to go to our bank to make sure that the finances are there. We should find out everything about our bank on the finances being there this coming week is the plan, huh, Ben? And then we're going to once again resubmit the offer that they know we're totally interested in. I mean, we've been looking at it for over a year uh, in on the building and the facility and the land right off of Kathleen and 95772 uh, Kathleen behind Parker Toyota, kind of behind Fred Meyer if you want to look at it. With that being said, what we're trying to do as a family is raise the funds for the down payment. We're going to have a lot of funds out of this building to, to go forward, praise God. And you give a seed offering about nine months ago or six months ago. All of that's going to be used. But as a family, we're looking to do two things. Raise money for the down payment of that building. And number two, an ongoing remodel of the building, which would be more of a one or two year commitment, okay? So you know my philosophy on this. Now feel me, how many of you are going to go to a home after you leave here sometime today? Is most of you homeless? You're going to go to a home, right? If you, if you have a home, is it okay for God to have a house? He is. Now, I know that you're the temple of the Holy Spirit, and yet I know biblically speaking in Acts, they met in a temple, and they met house to house. Right? You with me? If you don't know what that is, you haven't been around here. So with that being said, if you would be so gracious, you've been a very generous people, and I can't tell you, I mean, you really have, and I just want to encourage you to take a, take a look at this. When you came in today, you should have got that. It, it should really answer a lot of questions, frequently asked questions, about this specific situation. Number two, if you have weird questions, 
you emailed Pastor Don with those. <laughs> Same page? That's weird questions. Unweird questions, I'm okay. I'm good with it. Weird questions, Pastor Don. Good? Yeah. Next thing. So this envelope here is for a one-time gift for the down payment or whatever we use it for, but mostly right now we're thinking down payment. And the other, the commitment card is for a one to two year commitment for the remodel. You following me? So there's a letter in there from me and my wife. It's this, just kind of sharing our hearts and the journey. Last night we showed a historic video of where we've been for the last eight and a half years, which I thought was very, very cool. And I just wanted you to take a look at that today so you're clearly understanding where we're going. Now, everyone say, don't freak out. Don't freak out. And don't weird out. People don't like change, but I need you to go on this journey with us as a family. And don't freak out on it. Don't, don't get offended. Oh, they're just getting out of the building. Don't do any of that, right? Praise God. Right? You with me? I know that you wouldn't do that, but just in case. Because it's all about people. It's not what happens outside, but what happens on the inside of this building, the inside of the building that we're going to have, it's about people. Let me tell you why this is so profound. How many of you know that politics is not fixing our world? If you agree with that, say amen. amen. And if you don't, we need to have a talk. How many of you know that prison is not fixing society? Amen. You with me? You've been, in, you've been in prison? Don't raise your hand. Scared off our guests. How many know that religion does not fix our culture? What fixes our culture and humanity is the gospel of Jesus Christ. How do you know, J.O.? Feel me. Get this real clear. Because it changes the heart of a man and a woman. It changes the heart. So if you change a heart, you change a family that will change a neighborhood, that will change a community, that will change a city, that will change a state, which can change our nation, that can change our world. The only hope for all of humanity, it always was and always is, is the gospel of Jesus Christ. So it's about what happens inside the building. Families getting changed, lives being changed, people being healed, lives being restored. So it's about people. Say that with me, people. people. No matter if it's in Coeur d'Alene or like expanding our missions, plant, being part of plant church, church planters in Ethiopia, whatever, Afghanistan or on the border of Afghanistan, heading to Honduras in May. Listen. We are going to reach our world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Are you with me? What am I asking of you is that, that you would look at that, that you would prayerfully consider one, two, or none. One would be a gift towards the down payment of the building. Two would be that plus a one or two year commitment of the remodel. Or three, guess what? You don't have to do anything. I'm not going to probably know if you do or you don't unless you let me know. Occasionally I know. I try to keep back from knowing what people give so that it doesn't get weird in my heart. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I would love you to consider this. Everyone equally sacrifice. Equally sacrifice. For a single mom, a sacrifice 
maybe $100, and that's a huge sacrifice. For a businessman, it may be $100,000, and that's a huge sacrifice. Not asking everyone to give the same, but everyone would equally sacrifice. Are we on the same page? Because that's what families do. So you buy in and we build together, we move together, and we impact our city and our world together. Amen? If you're a guest, I know this is new, and I, I'm sorry, I'm not really sorry, but you just happen to be around when we're, things are, man, our, our church has been growing, we've got to get into another building and so forth and so on by the grace of God, and just filling you in. Amen? Amen. We're going to dive into the Word. Today I want to talk to you about thorns. I want to talk to you about things. I was not going to preach on this whatsoever until Monday morning. I felt the Holy Spirit absolutely wake me up first thing Monday morning and change my whole direction in sermon. Because if you're going to live a blessed life, you've got to deal with some of the roots in your life. If the roots are wrong in your life, you produce wrong fruit. If you change the root, you can have good fruit. And so to live, I can't deal with the surface area of the blessed life unless we deal with the underneath areas, the areas that's not seen for you to walk in the blessed life. Will you pray with me? Will you pray with me? You good? We good? We good? We good? Peace? We good? Here we go. Father, I pray that by the power of your Holy Spirit that you would move in here right now. God, I thank you that you know everyone by name, the hairs on their head, every sparrow that hits the ground. You're all-powerful, you're all-knowing, you're everywhere, you're awesome. And Lord, you want to, I think, do something deep inside the hearts of man today. When you walk into the room, Jesus, everything changes. Dead rise, people are born again, bodies are healed, lives are transformed. So we're asking right now, Jesus, that you would move in the hearts of people, people would become fully alive, people would be fully liberated, freed in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We lift up this time to you now, and everyone said, amen. Amen. It's impossible to live the blessed life while living in walls of a fortress or behind prison, invisible prison walls or bars. And I want you to remember very clearly what I'm saying about fortress and prisons today because I want to make a, a real clear statement of where I'm coming at with that in just a moment. It's extremely hard for you to live in peace if you're absolutely bound in worry and concern. It would be almost impossible for you to trust God if you had a father or a dad that absolutely abused you or abandoned you. It would be tough for you to live a life of generosity if all you've known is poverty, if all you've known is that I could never give because I'm on the receiving end a poverty mentality. Mentality, it would be hard for you to be generous. It'd be hard for you to experience the presence and power and the joy of God if you're trapped in fear. If you're a prisoner to fear, if you're a prisoner to addiction, it would be hard for you to operate in the blessed life of freedom. It would be hard for you to be blessed if you're cloaked in religiosity and an empty tradition instead of having a relationship with Jesus Christ. What keeps us? What is the root behind all of those things that I speak of today? At least some of the root. I want to read a scripture and I want to show you a word out of the scripture that we're, that we're going to today. This is 2 Corinthians 10, 
verses 3 through 6. They're going to be behind me. I really encourage you to bring your Bible so that you can learn where these are and outline them and circle them and really get the root, the Word of God in you so the roots can be transformed inside of you. The Bible says this is Paul's writing to this church, the church of Corinth. The church of Corinth was kind of jacked up at times okay it just is what it is just like a lot of us in here we're jacked up at times and so he says this he says though we walk in the flesh we do not war according to the flesh so that one sentence right there tells me christians need to get their head out of the sand because you are in a war you following me if you don't think that you are, I got news for you. Doesn't mean that you're, you know, bloody and gutty and all that stuff, but you are in a spiritual war and you need to know that today. And it goes on to say, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. That means that our weapons of Christians is that you're not going to go around beheading people. It's not carnal. You're not going to go off on someone road rage, hopefully, and snatch them through the window like we used to do. None of those things. It's not carnal, but it goes on to say, but mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds. Casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Bringing every thought into captivity, into the captivity of the obedience of Christ and being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. If you was to read that scripture right there backwards, you would see a real regression that leads to this word. Let me read it backwards, not because it's demonic. Don't be saying, oh, Pastor Jeff, he's reading words backwards. He's like playing a song backwards so he can hear the devil. I'm reading the scriptures backwards so that you can hear the regression of where it leads. First of all, disobedience. Where's the disobedience come from? From not bringing every thought into captivity. What kind of thoughts? Arguments, high things that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. If you don't do that, where does it lead you? Into a stronghold. What is a stronghold? First of all, there's an old word that I'm going to use and there's a new word that I'm going to use. The old word would reference a stronghold as a fortress. Say that with me, fortress. The new word that came around more so in the New Testament would be a prison. So stronghold, stronghold can be a wonderful thing. You're protected in a stronghold from the enemy nothing's getting in on you nothing's coming out of you you're totally if jesus is your stronghold completely then that's a wonderful thing this scripture is not talking about a stronghold about being it a good thing this this stronghold is a negative thing this stronghold is a fortress and a prison a fortress does this think about a castle on top of a hill overlooking the ocean it has high walls, it has thick walls, and that fortress doesn't allow anything to get into it. There's nothing that penetrates that fortress. You got that picture? 
so nothing comes in. A prison, if you've been in prison, you know exactly what I'm talking about. If you've been in jail, you know exactly what I'm talking about. A prison is made so that nothing comes out. Are you with me? Anything that's in prison should stay in prison unless you Houdini or something. You're in prison and you're in captivated capture inside prison bars. A fortress is made so nothing comes in and a prison is made so nothing goes out. Are you seeing that? If you don't get those two words today, you might as well go home, go ahead and eat your roast beef because the rest of the sermon is not going to really make much difference to you. You need to see those two things. A a stronghold, a fortress, and a prison. A stronghold. Not allowing anything to penetrate and not allowing anything to leave. Nothing to escape. You got that? So with that being said, let me make this statement. A stronghold will keep truths out and a stronghold will keep lies in. A stronghold will keep the truths, the fortress will keep the truths of God out of you so that you can be free. And a stronghold, the prison, will keep the lies of the enemy, the lies that's been built around you to sustain and to cause this stronghold to grow inside of you. The prison will keep the lies in. Nothing comes in and nothing goes out. Nothing comes in, nothing goes out. It is a strong hold. It's not a weak hold. It's a stronghold, and it's named a stronghold because it's a stronghold. You following me? And God today, I believe, like he has been doing with all of my heart, wants to demolish strongholds in your life. A stronghold to me could be called a house of thoughts. Built by thoughts, built by lies, built by lies of the enemy, built by lies that you believed about yourself, built by lies of what you've experienced and the thoughts around it and all of a sudden you have a house of lies inside of you that controls you. A a stronghold is ingrained inside of you, ingrained in your mind and your belief system. Sounds pretty hopeless. I got great hope for you. Let me give you a couple examples of a stronghold, a belief system. Maybe you were raised in parents and a very liberal house that was atheist, was anti-God, and you were raised that way, and that belief system was instilled inside of you from, from being a small person, and then you go to school, and it's enforced, and friends enforce it, and all of a sudden you're atheist, and, and it could be a very, very strong hold inside of you that you're combating. Here's another one. I think strongholds are created at times through trauma. Say that with me, trauma. Trauma when you're a child or even as an adult doesn't happen, have, have to happen when you're a child. What is a trauma? Does that mean that someone come in there and blew all your family apart? And tra- That would be traumatic, but a trauma is anything that hurts your heart. Anything that damages your heart. It could be many ways. It could be someone going through a terrible situation with an abortion. All of a sudden, they're absolutely traumatized. It could be a molestation. Through that molestation and coming out of a molestation confused sexually. 
traumatized. All the th- it could be an abandonment situation or a place of rejection, uh, a place of death or murder. All these different things. I think that the enemy, listen to me real good, uses traumatic events in our life to take advantage of us in order to, listen, set up a stronghold. It could, through, it could be through a divorce. It could be through Uh, some type of addiction. It could be that somebody introduced you to pornography at 10 years old, and that thing, man, it got into your heart, and all of a sudden, you have an addiction to it, and you didn't even want to. You wanted to stay very pure and very innocent, and all of a sudden, in the sake of peer pressure and cool, it it has affected you. It's, It's damaged you. And it's not like heroin that comes from the outside in, it's from the inside out. And it can be a very big, strong hold. Are you following me? And all of a sudden, all the thoughts that's wrapped around that, a person gets uh, abandoned by a father, and then all of a sudden you carry that into your relationship with God, and no one really, can I really trust God? Can I really trust a man? And all the different lies and all the different thoughts enraptured around that, and you build the strongholds, you build the house, even though it's lies, even though sometimes it's someone else's fault. Strongholds are built inside of us. And all of a sudden, you know that you have a stronghold that in a very vulnerable time in your life, you thought everything was good. And in this very vulnerable time in your life, you're going through a very sensitive time. And all of a sudden, the enemy ambushes you. You're like, where did that come from? All of a sudden, you have an emotion, a thought that is attached to an emotion that is compulsive and tries to take you out. It could be pseudo guilt. It could be all kinds of different things. Where in the world? Why is this still happening to me? Why have I not changed? Is the gospel not great enough? Yes, the gospel is great enough. But sometimes you need to have the, the, the knowledge and allow the truth of God to penetrate those areas. The Bible says in Psalms 51, I desire truth in the innermost part of your being. The innermost part of your being. That truth gets inside of you. And the Bible says knowing the truth sets you free. It gets on the inside of you and all of a sudden you begin being set free. And we go from glory to glory. All those different things take place. Because all of a sudden these strongholds begin being demolished well i got to keep going because of time so you can be born again and though you're born again you can live in a fortress are you sure about that jo i mean i'm are you sure about that i mean yes i am sure about that i can show you biblically and i can tell you from my own experience all of a sudden you're born again and you still have a prison of thoughts that is holding you captive and trying to control your life are you with me so i want to talk to you about that today one of mine would have been a stronghold that i absolutely dealt with is after my parents were killed when i was eight and my sister at 17 something happened inside of me when my sister died i was found at the grave of my mom and dad my uncle found me and um i was really really jacked up like you can probably imagine but there was something that i believe the enemy took at that very crucial time, very sensitive time, 
and set up a, a, a very, very stronghold inside of my life. After that time, I thought for sure that I was going to die at a really early age. I didn't think that I would ever live to be 30 years old. And this was all due to, I believe, what I would consider a stronghold. The enemy took advantage of me uh, during a very, very traumatic experience. And there was just layers of fear in my heart, layers of fear of man, layers of fear of death. You wouldn't believe the, the visions I had, the, the dreams that I had when it came wrapped around this whole thing, right? So that was... that that. That will tell you from my point of view as a pastor that I know that they're real and they exist. Another one would be because of the stronghold that I was dealing of pain inside of me and the fears, I would begin struggling with addiction. I struggled immensely with addiction, heavy, heavy, heavy alcoholism, uh, drug addiction, even in the area of bodybuilding and steroid addiction. And there was a stronghold that was built inside of me. Let me give you another example of one that I think that was very real to me is that I'm married to now to my beautiful wife, Radine, and she's pregnant with our first child. And then all of a sudden, because of the layers of fear and the layers of stronghold and the things that I'd been through, all of a sudden I started really freaking out going, first of all, I didn't think that I would have kids didn't know if I could have kids, and then she's pregnant, and then I really go through this time of, oh my goodness, is he going to be okay? Is he going to be totally messed up? And then I had facts to support that. The facts was, you were a drug addict. You did do things. You were wrong. You were jacked. You deserve something to be wrong with your son. Are you following me? These are all areas of what I would consider consider a stronghold they may look so different in your life because it has to do with what you've been through how you've lived your life what traumas have you lived through and and traumas can be big or they can be little but i want to let you know that the devil a messenger of satan breathes on those and for enforces those lies he strengthens those invisible walls those fortress walls those prison doors and he takes advantage of those things no truth can penetrate and no lies come come out and we feel like man this is hopeless i've i've been this way forever the really bad thing about getting old you know a really bad thing about getting old if you don't deal with strongholds age only makes them worse Going to church, I love you, but probably won't help you. Going to church and learning, absolutely. But just thinking, going through religious practices to think that you're going to be, I got news for you. Okay, this didn't happen overnight, and it doesn't get fixed overnight. This is part of a, a process that I believe that God wants to begin in some of your hearts today to give you great hope. Joe, that sounds kind of hopeless. I got great hope for you because God will indeed rescue you. Um, my question to you today is what stronghold are you being held by? Can you identify with anything that I said? Have you been through a traumatic experience? How you were raised? Can you identify what causes you to do the things that you do or what causes you not to do the things that you want to do? You following that? Yeah. 
Now, I gave you an example of myself as a pastor, a very transparent. Now I want to give you an example of a, a guy in the Bible who was brilliant, who wrote about half the New Testament and a stronghold that I feel like he dealt with. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians 12, 7, only a couple chapters after this author speaking of a stronghold. Two chapters later, look what he talks about. His name is... Paul. 2 Corinthians 12, 7-10 says this, And least I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of revelations, a thorn, will you say that with me, thorn? A thorn in the flesh was given to me. A messenger of Satan to buffet me. Least I be exalted above measure. Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most I gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities uh, that the power of Christ may be rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in my infirmities. Wow in reproaches and needs and persecution and distresses for Christ's sake for when I am weak then I am strong I want to bring your attention to a few things where I think the enemy twists scriptures I want you to know exactly for a moment where did this thorn come from oh it came from God where did the thorn come from would you say that with me Satan a messenger of Satan. This thorn that was either in his flesh or in his soul or in his psyche, wherever it was, there was a thorn in Paul and it came from a messenger of Satan, which that messenger would have been an angel of Satan. So first of all, don't say that Paul had a thorn from God. He didn't. Did God use the thorn? Yes, he did use the thorn. Why would God use the thorn? Well, the scriptures say that he used the thorn so that Paul wouldn't get all cocky and arrogant. Paul did things that we haven't done. Paul was in the third heaven. Paul saw things that no man has seen. Paul had revelation beyond our wildest imagination. Paul had experienced this, so God did use this. God uses a lot of things in our life, but it wasn't originated from God. This was originated from the devil, from Satan, a messenger, a thorn that I would view as absolutely a stronghold in his life. Now, I want to show you how it was played out and where I believe that a stronghold that, that Paul was dealing with, was it different than this thorn? I'm not sure. But I want to tell you, I want you to see where I believe that this, this stronghold came from or one strong that he was dealing with. J.O., since he had a thorn from Satan, are you say as a Christian that I can be possessed by the devil and kind of like do my head spin around and green stuff fly out of my mouth? And No, you're the temple of the Holy Spirit. You're the temple of the Holy Spirit. Can I, do I believe that a Christian in various degrees can be oppressed by the enemy? Yeah. I think if we're all very, very honest with each other, 
I think we would all agree with that. Amen? Because we are in a war. There's a reason why God tells us to put on the full armor of Christ, right? So I think that Christians can be um, absolutely um, um, messed with by the enemy. But God doesn't want a stronghold to be inside of you. God doesn't want you tortured. He doesn't want you tormented. He doesn't want you sabotaged by the enemy. I think Paul's life was a little bit different than us because of what he had experienced. So I want to read 10 scriptures to you, and I want to read them real good, and I want you to focus, and I want you to read the, just hear the writings of Paul. You're going to find this in Romans 7, 15 through 25, and it just kind of articulates this, this if it's talking about the same thorn, I am not sure. But it talks about this thing that Paul deals with in his life, which I firmly believe is a stronghold. And then I want to tell, we, tell you where I think Paul got this stronghold at. You with me? You there? Listen to these words real close. For what I am doing, I do not understand. That's unique. For what I will to do, that I do not practice. Wait a minute, you're Paul. You wrote half the New Testament. You have no control of yourself? Very interesting. But what I hate, that I do. What would cause a Christian to do something that they would hate? The thing that they don't want to do they end up doing and the things that they do want to do, they don't do. What is, what, is, what is creating this? I agree with the law that it is good. Let's see, let me back up. But what I hate, that I do. If then I do what I will not to do, I agree with the law that is good. But now it is no longer I who do it. Ooh, wow. Listen to those words. It's no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. Wow. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, nothing good dwells. Now, I got some news for you. If you think you're all cute and handsome and that you're all good, you're really rotten to the core. How many of you recognize that? In our being, without Christ, we are rotten to the core. With him, we can do all things. Praise God. It goes on to say, For the good that I will to do, I do not do. But the evil I will not to do, that I practice. Wow. This guy's being pretty transparent. He's talking about the evil that he doesn't want to do, he practices. Now, if I do what I will not to do, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. There he goes again. He's trying to make a point here. Like, we get it, Paul. We don't know exactly what we get, but I'm going to tell you what I think he's saying today. I find then a law that evil is present within me. This is a believer. The one who wills to do good, for I delight in the law of God according to the inward man. But I see another law, listen to this word real close, in my members. Would you say that with me, members? in his members that members means his limb or inside of him he's got something going on inside of him 
That's doing things, controlling him to some great degree. I believe sabotaging him. When he wants to do something right, he does it wrong. When he wants to practice righteousness, he practices evil. Something is sabotaging Paul. But I see a law in my members warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. Oh, wretched man that I am. Who will deliver me from the body of death? And then, praise God, he gives us the beautiful answer, which is hope-filling. I thank God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So then, with my mind, myself, serve the law of God, but with the flesh of the law of sin. I want you to see, that's Paul speaking there, and I believe that he's absolutely dealing with a stronghold. He spoke of a thorn. He spoke of a stronghold. And in this case, he's saying that he's doing things that he doesn't want to do. He's practicing things that he doesn't want. Why is he being sabotaged? What's going on in Sodom? Where did it come from? I want to present to you today that I think it came from, uh, a portion of it came from this. Before Paul was the apostle, his name was Saul, and he was a bully terrorist. Terrorist. Terrorists didn't begin with ISIS. It didn't begin just in, you know, this last 10 years or 20 years. Terrorists has been around for a long time. And Paul, Saul, was an absolute bully terrorist. One time, there was a believer who was a man of God, full of wisdom and full of the Holy Spirit. His name was Stephen. And they brought Stephen out because he would distribute food, because they set, up, they set him up, they lied about him. They brought him out to stone Stephen to death. And I'm not talking about stoning of smoking weed in Washington State. I'm talking about stoning of stones. And there was a guy there, and his name was Saul. And Saul was overseeing it, and Saul was watching the coats of those who were throwing the stones and killing. The Bible says that Stephen, his face shined like an angel. The Bible says, I've never seen this in any portion of the scripture before, but Jesus, who's normally seated at the right hand of the Father, he stands to his feet like looking upon his son going, hey, this is my son right here. This is my man right here. He stands to his feet while Stephen is giving himself. He just, man, I present my body to you, and he's dead. But there was a guy named Saul there was there overseeing all of that could it be when Saul has this beautiful conversion that this traumatic experience of what he had put upon the body of Christ was now impacting him look at uh, uh, Acts 3 I'm sorry Acts 8 1 through 3 listen to what it says this is the Saul that I speak of today now Saul was consistent consenting to his death. Whose death was that? Stephen's death. But look, it didn't stop there, church. At that time, a great persecution rose against the church, which was in Jerusalem. When, when persecution hits the church, the devil means to destroy it, to split it up. You know what happens? It goes crazy. It multiplies. People get saved. You would, I mean, Christianity flourishes in persecution. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria except the apostles. And the devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made great lamentation over him. As for Saul, 
He made havoc of the church, entering every house, dragging off men and women, committing them to prison. Can you imagine after Paul, Saul, Paul has this amazing revelation, this awakening, this kicking off of his horse, this face-to-face uh, experience with Jesus. And now his name is, he's blinded for three days. All of a sudden, he sees Jesus for who he really is. He has an amazing awakening. And now to think back of what he had did to his brothers and sisters, dragging them out of their home, 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 men, women, probably children, doesn't say children, but I'm just assuming, killing, slaughtering, terrorism. Can you imagine the guilt, the condemnation, the shame, the stronghold? The stronghold that could have been built inside of Paul. And now we may understand why he says, oh, what a wretched man that I am who will deliver me from this, 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 this body of death. Thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. He immediately goes into the next chapter. Your Bible says Romans 8.1. The original scriptures would not say Romans 8.1. one would just go. He says, now there's now no, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. He's so excited. He's been awakened to this. No condemnation. Why? Because I felt like I believe that he was full of condemnation. Guilt, shame, all the things that would come along with. Imagine you have slaughtered Christians and now you get born again and you're like, wow, I made a bad mistake. So I think that Paul deals with He was held at some point a hostage, fortress, in prison by a house of thoughts. The enemy just gives you a thought in a very, very sensitive moment in your life. Maybe it's through a time of molestation, as bad as evil as that is. And then all of a sudden, you believe the lie that you're not good for anyone and that you're always going to be messed up and broken goods and on and on and on and it goes into your marriage and on and what it could be a number of things but your thoughts added to the lies of the enemy in a house of thoughts and then all of a sudden the enemy lives in that stronghold to sabotage your life jo how do you know if you have a stronghold i think you can identify it in a few ways do you have a trauma in your life that all of a sudden you can look back follow that trauma and find out that's where it took place and from that trauma in your life fears all of a sudden that trauma uh, in your life you have confusion i tell you one of the worst things that happened to me is that i would have a thought and attached to that thought would be a sabot- sabotaging emotion that would try to absolutely take me out I dealt with pseudo guilt that would try to totally control my guilt of something that I didn't even have place of or part of confusion wrapped around that you're talking to a guy that has dealt with strongholds and my passion for this is for the church to be free that you can be fully alive fully free no longer tormented by the am the enemy just sabotaging you at times in your life man i got sabotaged and i almost lost my wife we're getting ready to get married 
I asked her to marry me, and all of a sudden, I asked her to marry me one day, and then I get sabotaged, and all of a sudden, I'm experience these feelings of old anxiety and panic and I attached them to my beautiful wife you know what I did you either fight or you flight you know what I did I flighted is that a word it is now (laughs) I flighted I didn't even show up at my at my engagement party and then I caught a flight and I flighted, flighted, flighted because I got on an air flight and flighted from California, Kentucky. I was fleeing. Why? Because of a stronghold at a sensitive time that should have been a glorious time where I should have been celebrating. I got fearful and those old things started popping up and all of a sudden, man, I was sabotaging. You know what? I, I ran for my life. And only by the grace of God did I come back to California. I sat down with all the elders in the church at JB Restaurant, and I said, here I am, jacked up, messed up, and I need your advice. And through those elders they gave me, I heard the voice of God, and I didn't lose my wife, at, which wasn't my wife at the time, but we ended up getting married. But because of a stronghold, my life was almost a wreck. Are you following me today? So today I want to leave you with this. I want to leave you with how to absolutely get rid of a stronghold in your life. It's not always easy, but if you're willing to put the effort in, you can be totally set free. Let me give let me let me show you something. I got some demolition tools here that these are natural. Watch your toes. These are natural, but it's kind of like what you need in the spiritual, okay? You kind of need these in the spiritual world. First of all, this looks like a post hole digger, but Craig went and picked up from my house because he thought it was something that you knock down a door with. Okay, so since he thinks it's something you knock down a door with, Let's, let's believe for today it's something you knock down a door with, okay? Can we do that? Praise God. So number one, if you're dealing with a stronghold, number one, the very first thing that you need to do is that you need to realize it. Put my, will you put my, you need to recognize and be ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. Today, See, you'll never get set free. Today, in another service, I saw people that I know was dealing with the stronghold, and they just stood there. And I was like, I'm not trying to judge you. I've pastored you for many years, and I know that you're dealing with a stronghold. And it's amazing. The fortress won't allow the truth in, and the prison won't allow the lies out. And they stand there. And there's no change. There's no change involved. And I tell you what, the Lord, through recognizing, it is the very beginning, when you recognize, I tell you what, it allows the Spirit of God to come and just knock open that prison door today. Everyone say recognize. Recognize. Number two, repent. Repent is, it's not a big, huge, scary word. It means change the way that you think. That's really what it means. Change the way that you think. So if you thought wrongly about a situation, most people think 
70%, of the same thoughts every day, and they're all negative. same, Same thoughts. Repent means that you have to work on it to change the way that you think. And it is powerful. It's like taking this little crowbar and just like, uh, uh, I'm popping out those wrong thoughts. I'm, I'm popping those things out. I'm not going to think that way anymore. And you don't think it's easy. Just try it. But God will meet you there. As you start bringing those thoughts into captivity, I tell you what, you bring those thoughts into captivity and the obedience of God, things are going to change in your life. Look at the next one. 2.5. Renounce. What does that mean, J.O.? renounce the lies of the enemy. If you think that God doesn't love you because of what you went through with your father, you say, I renounce that. Man, my father loves me. Man, I renounce that I ever thought that my son was going to, you know, come out kind of, you know, hurt or or something wasn't right about him. I think my son turned out pretty good, didn't he? And so... I'm just saying, renounce the lies of the enemy. Renounce those areas where he has planted those seeds in your mind. Man, those lies that you're never going to be loved or never going to be good enough or whatever your your deal is. Renounce it. Say that with me, renounce. Look at number three. Receive. When you repent, Acts says this. Repent, therefore times of refreshing come from the presence of the Lord. Man, that's a beautiful thing because he loves you. He cares. He wants to come and flood you with His goodness and with His love. Just receive. How do, you, how, do, how do you allow that to impact? You receive it. Almost like catching a football. You receive it by faith. God, I just receive your love. I receive your compassion. I receive your forgiveness. I receive those. Look at the next one. Resist and reject. Cast down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. If it doesn't line up with the Word of God, if you have an argument going on inside of you like Gollum, oh, my master, my master, I love my master, I love my master, I'm going to kill my master, I'm going to kill. If you have an argument going on like right there, you're dealing with a stronghold. Gollum was eat up with a stronghold changed everything about him his stronghold was a ring but he was eat up with it that's a that's a good example of a stronghold i got to be on renew renew against the knowledge of god if it's not lying up with the knowledge of renew your mind it says in this in romans 12 1 be not conformed to this world but be transformed that's metamorphosis be transformed by the renewing of your mind it's a process what's renewing mean renewing means renovation You're renovating a room in your house. You're going to remodel it. So in order to do that, sometimes you might have to like take a sledgehammer and knock out some of those walls in order to to put up the new ones, but do whatever it takes. And, And look at the next one right here. Number six, right thinking leads to right believing. So you get the right thinking and according to the word of God, man, right thinking, your belief system is going to follow your thinking. Your emotions are going to follow your thinking. So you need to think right. Stop your stinking thinking and think right. Amen? Amen. Tell your neighbor right now, stop your stinking thinking. Or either tell yourself, tell somebody, and think right because that's going to affect your belief system. And the last one is this right here. I saved this one right here for this big old, this is a heavy bar right here, baby. The Word of God. The Word is heavy. It's heavy because the Word of God, this is what will absolutely change your life is the Word of God. If you put that up there for me, the, the Word of God is living and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of 
soul and spirit and the joints and marrow and the discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. This, this word will just pierce into the heart of man right through the strongholds. You could take it and lodge out those wrong ways of thinking. And I tell you what, the word of God. Look, when you get the word in, guess what happens? It lies out. The word is the truth. Absolutely, you get this in, those lies are gonna go out. Word up, walls down. Those fortress walls go down. Those walls go down, the prison doors, look, look, look at the next one. Wall, word in, bar snap. Those prison doors that's kept the lies in and the truth out, it's gonna fall down. Look at the next one. Word up, strongholds down, amen? amen. Can you bear witness? Can anybody bear witness with this today? Will you stand on your feet?